Good morning. Are we all okay? Great privilege to be with you this morning. So yes, my name is uh, Mark. Um, I should say, uh, this is a bit showy off, but it is actually Dr. Mark now. Uh, yeah, I've just, done my, just finished my PhD. Now, let me just clarify, because I did have someone in church asking me about their diabetes. It, it's not that kind of doctor, okay? Um, I know a lot about Paul. I know a lot about the Bible. I can help you with some language stuff. I can't help you with your health, so, uh, so please don't have any medical emergency this morning. Um, great to be with you, um, and uh, just, yeah, thank you for the invite. And like, just being in worship together this morning, uh, just a real great sense of God's presence in this place. And I know that's easy to say, but sometimes when you go to churches, and I've experienced this kind of thing where it feels a little bit forced and a little bit like hard work, and we're, we're trying to do things and get something happening. And today, just being here felt like that. We don't always use the word sanctuary uh, in churches, like, but coming into this place is that place of sanctuary, that place of refuge, that place where we could just rest in the right sense, not be apathetic, but rest in the presence of God. So thank you for the welcome. Um, I actually I see a few familiar faces. I did actually grow up in uh, Newark. Um, so uh, in fact, this was the school that I came to. Um, so I, and I hadn't quite clicked when I got the invite that you met at Magnus. So this is a bit of a triggering experience for me. Um, this room feels a lot smaller than I, I remember. I don't know what they've done, but I seem to recall doing my GCSEs around about here, as in we had all the tables for the exam table, doing my GCSEs, which was probably one of the last times I was here in school, because as soon as I'd finished my GCSEs, I was out of here. Um, I did not want to, to do any more. I went I did do A-levels and ended up in Bible college and, yes, ended up uh, going on to, to get a doctorate. So there you go. Funny how life works out. Um, so I don't think any of my old teachers are here, but there you go. Um, so, yeah, so it's a bit, bit of an odd one. But, yeah, and I've been involved in, in church leadership for a number of years and then ended up, yes, working at uh, Missio Day, but uh, as vice principal and teaching on, on various different subjects. So I just, uh, yeah, like I say, a real great privilege to bring God's word to you this morning. And I'm going to pray just one more time as we open up the Bible, open up God's word today. So Father God, we thank you. Thank you because of your presence here with us. Thank you, God, that we can look at your word and it can teach us and it can reveal things to us and shape us. And I pray this morning as we spend some time looking at, at your word to us, that you will speak to us in a new and fresh way, that you will bring revelation. And that as we've built a platform of worship to you, that God, you will now come and meet with us in this place, wherever people are at. That God, there'll be something today that fills us, encourages us, uh, challenges us, Father God, we pray. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Now, a few years ago, uh, no, in fact, actually just last year, I think it was, um, I had the great uh, privilege or exciting um, experience of going to Rome. Anyone been to Rome? Okay, a few hands up. So this is somewhere I've always wanted to go. Uh, it was for our 40th, me and my wife, we both turned 40 the same year. Because um, of lockdowns and things, we couldn't get to Rome for our 40th, but there you go. So I, I went and I really wanted to go because I love history, fascinated, obviously connected with the Bible. There's lots of different things that you can look at. And it was amazing. 
It was absolutely amazing. And of course, the one place that I wanted to go to to see was the Colosseum, which I guess is, is a bit odd in one sense because, you know, of what it represents. But nonetheless, to see the Colosseum, if you've had that experience, it is breathtaking. Yeah, for those who've been, I presume you went to have a look at it. And, and uh, we did the tour and it was, it was amazing. And like, because... You know, we were there for a few days. I, would, I just wanted to keep going back to look at it. You know, it's like, yeah, let's just go. And there's lots of cafes around. We sat one morning having breakfast, just overlooking the Colosseum. For me, seeing that, incredible. Never seen anything like it before. Like to go and obviously all the tourists there, they go because they want to see these things or the Sistine Chapel or whatever it might be. And it's amazing. But to the people of Rome... It's just there, as in they just see it every day. Now, I don't know what it might become like. I guess it's like people who live in London as well. You get everyone taking their photos outside Buckingham Palace if they're tourists. But to people in London, it's like there's more people clogging up the way and I can't get through and traffic's bad and everything else. It's just, it's just what we see all the time. Yeah? So in, in, for the Romans, the people living there, it's just what they are used to. And it gets me thinking because one of the challenges with Christianity, one of the, the things about following God, it's not that, I don't think it's always that we turn away, that we, we decide, and I know it does happen, but we decide that we're walking away from faith, turning our back on God. It's not that that's always the biggest problem. The biggest problem for a lot of Christians is that we become over-familiar with God's presence. What was once amazing, what was once astounding, what was once changing our lives and there was breakthrough and all sorts of incredible things happen. Over time, we lose that passion and enthusiasm. We see the Colosseum once, wow, that's amazing. But if I live there, it's, yeah, that's that building I see every day. And we can do that with the presence of God. We can be in a place where we feel like, yes, I used to have all these amazing experiences, but now it's gone cold. Now I'm just indifferent to the things that God wants to do in my life. And I want to talk to us this morning about keeping that sense of hunger for God's presence. Keeping that sense of passion and enthusiasm that carries us uh, through, not just for a moment, but throughout our lives. Because we, as God's people, need to be hungry for his presence. We need to keep pursuing God with everything we have. And there can be all sorts of reasons why we, we, we become cold. We, we, you know, things can happen in our life. But as God's people, as believers in this day and age, we, I want to encourage us this morning to keep that sense of, uh, of, of uh, sense of awe and wonder about who God is. There's a great picture. I know, I think the kids are even delving into Revelation this morning. And there's a great picture of Jesus in Revelation. And I know the language can be a bit interesting in Revelation. You know, it's quite symbolic and all that kind of stuff. People have all sorts of weird and wonderful ideas about what Revelation means. But at the start, there's this moment where John, who's writing Revelation, encounters Jesus. And he sees this person, you know, with the, the white hair, which is wisdom, and the eyes of fire penetrating inside, the feet of bronze, stability. That's what it all represents. And he falls down in the presence of God, or, or in the presence of Jesus. He falls down in worship because he has encountered Jesus. 
we want to keep that same sense of, Jesus, I'm falling in your presence. I'm not indifferent to who you are, but that awesome, wonderful, majestic person that we worship, Jesus. We worship him and we fall at his feet. So I want to bring a, a few thoughts to us. If you have a Bible, whoop, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Psalm uh, 51. Psalm 51, I'm going to read a few verses uh, from that and bring a few thoughts out. Um, from that this morning, Psalm 51. It's just a couple of verses, verse 10 to 12. David, writing this after a moment in his life where he had sinned, committed adultery, coming back, in repentance to God. He says this, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. There could be all sorts of things that help us maintain a sense of hunger for God's presence. But there's a few thoughts that I want to bring out from this psalm this morning to help us. So if you're taking notes or whatever it might be that you need to do, that we can just jot things down, make a note of them, or however we do that too. To be people that maintain a sense of hunger. The first thing that David prays, David asks of God is this. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Create in me a pure heart, O God. When we're coming to God being hungry for his presence, God wants to do something new in our lives. Now the thing is, as Christians, we like to talk about the new thing that God wants to do, don't we? We love to think about all the amazing things. God, do a new thing in my life. God, bring breakthrough. God, bring revelation. But before God does a new thing, sometimes he has to uproot some old things. One of the things I seem to keep doing in life, not that we move that often, but whenever I buy a house, um, uh, we have moved a few times, and uh, I'm quite taken with like getting a, an old house with character, yeah? Um, which is a bit odd for us because me and my wife and Sally and Alex will testify, we are always cold. Like, and, and I, this is now the time of 20 layers in our house because our house is freezing and I'm not putting the heating on just yet. Well, it kind of goes on, but uh, I'm one of those, you know, Put another jumper on, kids. Now, my, my son actually is, is, is actually blessed. He's one of these that wears shorts or weathers. Uh, shorts and T-shirt, no matter what the temperature. So that's fine. He gets on okay in our house. But when we buy, like I, I look around and I see the new builds and, uh, I, and they're okay and I should really do that, but they haven't got the character. So then my heart rules my head and I think, yes, let's buy this house. The problem is there's always work that needs to be done. 
Yeah, there's always something. And this house that we're in at the minute, we've slowly been through, but there's always something. And the problem is whenever we do something, you always find problems. I'm going to start decorating. Oh, there's, that's why lining paper is on the wall, because it's holding all of the plaster up that's now fallen off or something like that. We, we, so this year, and I don't like DIY, by the way, either, so it's a bit of a challenge for me. But this year, um, at the end of our garden was a fence. It was all broken down bit of a problem and so uh, I've got a friend in in our church and and so I was like this is the year this this year we're going to do the fence I'm gonna get someone else to do it for me no no I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for some help and uh, um, more of the work was in getting getting rid of what was there in the first place and here we go again, I've got the skip, I'm digging stuff up and, you know, me and my friend there working all this stuff out for a little while. Because again, it always takes longer, doesn't it? It always takes longer. So for a little while, we had an open plan garden with our neighbours, which I'm not, sure, I'm not sure they were up for really. But, you know, sorry guys, um, <laughs> but we've just extended our garden. Uh, so we had no fence um, and I'm thinking, they're probably thinking like, hurry up and get it done. Before we could put the new up, we had to get rid of the old. We had to get rid of and prepare the ground for something new to happen. When we're decorating, I've been doing another room. Oh, lo and behold, there's more work to be done in preparation. And I've had my dad helping me this time. And he's like, well, we're going backwards at the minute. I'm like, I don't want to go backwards. I want to go forwards. But this is the thing. Sometimes... We don't actually take the time to deal with the things that we need to deal with. And God's like, I want to do something new in your life. But before he can, we have, to, we have to get rid of some old stuff. We have to deal with what is going on in us, in our life. Years ago, there was a guy, a well-known preacher called Paul Scanlon uh, from Life Church. Some of you may know him. And he preached a message about the greatest gift you can give the world is a healthy you. And I want to tweak that slightly. Someone's just said amen, but no, don't go too soon. No, no, it's fine. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. But let me, let me just tweak that slightly. The greatest gift you can give the world is a self-aware you. Because before, a lot of people, they don't know where they need to change. A lot of people don't, don't actually take the time to spend time in God's presence to say, God, what is it you need to deal with in my life? Yes, we want to give, absolutely give the world a healthy you. But to be healthy, we need to be self-aware. And in all the time in, in leadership, in counselling, help, small c, uh, helping people, ministering to people, the issue is not that God can't you know, do the work, but we actually need to spend time in God's presence to know what we need to deal with. And so we have to become self-aware. God, deal with these things in me. Create in me a pure heart, O oh God. So I want to encourage us, first thing, God does, wants to do new things. Being in God's presence, he can uh, encourage us, build us up. But before we get there, he needs to do the work uh, of removing some things from our life. And maybe this morning, there's things that we need to deal with in our lives before God. Second thing he says is this, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Creating me a pure heart of God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Be people that are resilient. People that continue 
in pursuing, saying, I am going to keep going, following who God is. One of the, I think, dangers, particularly in, in modern Christianity, if I could say, is that we, we have this sense of having to keep producing. Like we are in a world, aren't we? You know, you, you've got a great sermon this morning. I hope you think that. But like you can go on the internet this afternoon and you can find a hundred well, thousands of other sermons. There's churches, there's podcasts, there's books, there's also conferences. My goodness, do we need any more conferences? I don't know. We have got everything that we could possibly want to feed us. And one of the dangers of that is that we feel we've got to keep producing. We've got to keep coming up with the goods. There's got to be this next thing, particularly if you're in a position of leadership and giving out to people. It's like, what's the next big thing that I can come up with? The next initiative, the next idea. And we can have this sense of actually following God is about me continually producing things. Me continuing to, uh, to give out from my life. And I want to encourage you with this. Listen. God doesn't always call us to produce every day of our lives. He's not always calling us to produce, but he does always call us to pursue. Doesn't always call us to produce, but he does call us to pursue. What I mean by that is we can have this sense of, I've got to keep doing something. I've got to bring the latest thing. What am I doing for God? But you know what? Sometimes in our life, we, are, we need to be people that are spending time in the presence of God to pursue. To be hungry for who he is. Now I can't let a sermon go by without talking about Paul. Because that's, that's my main area. Okay, That's what I spend my life doing. I teach on, I teach on Paul. Um, and uh, so yes, like Alex mentioned, his mate Paul. Uh, he's my friend too, just about. Although he's very, his letters are very confusing. I get that. Um, don't ask me about it afterwards because we all need to go home for dinner. Um, uh, but uh, Paul, one of the things that we forget, because we hear about Paul, the amazing missionary, the church planter, the evangelist, but he was also a tent maker. And actually, one of the things as well that we forget about those missionary journeys is he wasn't doing a missionary journey every day of the week. It wasn't all evangelism and crusades, whatever they looked like, and healings and miracles. And most of the time for Paul, it was tent making. It was doing a job. It was going to work. And in fact, actually in his work, in his job, he was a missionary. Because the way they were structured, you had your workshop. And uh, as people were coming in to buy whatever he was selling, he was able to minister to people, tell them about Jesus. And we have this idea because of Christians, we think, ah, oh, Paul was doing this kind of thing. Preaching and healings and everything else. And yet it was just every day pursuing who God was. And at times it was punctuated by the moments of healing and miracles and the supernatural. But it wasn't always like that. He was pursuing God's presence and hungry for who he is. So God wants us to be people that are resilient. It's not always about producing. Take the pressure off yourself. And we can have this idea, I haven't witnessed to enough people today. I haven't done enough of this today. I haven't done enough of that. How, how can I do more? No, no, no. Pursue God's presence. And out the overflow of that, let your life minister to people around you. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Third thing is this. It says, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit 
from me. Do not cast me from your presence or take, me, take your Holy Spirit from me. It's an interesting uh, concept that uh, David is talking about here. He says, do not cast me from your presence. Now, um, don't worry, this isn't heavy theology, but you know, is it possible to be outside of the presence of God? Um, no, in one sense, because God is omnipotent, he's omnipresent, so God is everywhere. We cannot be outside of God's presence in one sense. But actually, in another sense, yes, we can. Because we can, I believe, have a posture in our life. We can be in the situation in our life where actually, it's not that we are outside of God's presence, but we are closed off to the things that God wants to do in our lives. That we can close off areas or parts of where God needs to do a work in us and God isn't able to speak into that. He wants to. There's an interesting uh, passage, interesting encounter that Jacob has in Genesis. Jacob, an interesting person and uh, God's uh, calling him part of this Abraham, Isaac, Jacob to be the nation of Israel and uh, to, to ha have this yeah, great nation, the deceiver. And there's a moment before he really gets a sense of what God is doing in his life that he says that he, he went down to sleep, fell asleep and had this vision of angels and the gates of heaven, stairway to heaven and all this sort of stuff and angels ascending and descending. And when he wakes up, he says, surely God was in this place and I never knew it. It's a powerful thought, isn't it? That God can be in a place and we're not aware of it. And my heart, my prayer for us all this morning is that we are not people who are unaware of the presence of God. But we are people who know that God is here. God is doing something in this place. And it's easy when we come, we come week in, week out, we, we come and we go through a same routine. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. We sometimes get put off by the idea of routine and habits. Hey, listen, habits and routine sustain relationship. They are what we need. We have patterns for church. We have ways of doing things. But we can, over time, lose that sense of God. You are in this place. Maybe this morning, wherever you're at, you need to be someone who say, you need to be in that place of saying, God, I open my life to you afresh. God, I want to, I want to uh, be aware of your presence again. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. And then the final thing he says is this, and then we'll have some time to pray and respond. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. We are, <coughs> excuse me, Pentecostals. And uh, 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 one of the distinctives, particularly, I think, for, you know, us Pentecostal charismatic types is we like the enthusiasm, don't we? Some of us do anyway. Listen, by the way, I'm an introvert, okay? God loves introverts too. 
And, uh, you know, I know we're not, some people are just like, yeah, and uh, the enthusiasm and, and, and others. And like, I've been in churches where we're all jumping and everything else. I'm like, I'm British and I'm, I'm quiet and I'm introvert. That's okay. All right. It's a bit quiet there, but it is. God does love introverts, you know, uh, but, and extroverts. He loves us all and how he's made us. I think sometimes we can overdo the enthusiasm thing and we can kind of get ourselves whipped up into a frenzy. And that's not what it's about. But I do believe that we should have joy in our salvation. That one of the things that, that will distinguish us as people who have a, a hunger for God's presence is that there's joy in our salvation. Do we have the same sense of passion and, and heart and enthusiasm and love for God as when we first made that decision to say yes to Jesus? That we have that same sense of God, I am joyful. Because I've been around enough churches to know that sometimes you speak to Christians, and can I say this gently, politely they're not that joyful they don't look like they have they're full of the joy of the lord of their salvation they are not always bless them sometimes christians are not always the nicest people they are not always the kindest they're not always out the overflow of what god is doing in their life and being in god's presence letting that speak to others i don't believe joy of our salvation is just about how we are on a sunday morning when we get excited in worship and we sing the songs and we have the prophetic words i've seen enough of that but what our world needs are people who go out living distinctive different lives as the people of god yeah that we are people who are part of, and I mean, it's amazing. The kids learn about it today. New creation. We are part of that. Listen, the world, the, the one thing we can all do is go out of here and show some kindness and some love and some generosity and patience and mercy with other people. And I think one of, again, one of the things, particularly within our Pentecostal tradition, is that we get excited when we have the prophetic words and there's amazing things happening. People are speaking out revelation. Absolutely, I love all of that. But listen, all of us can go out of here from today and be kind to someone. We don't all have to do the prophetic word. We don't have to bring the, you know, this is, this thus saith the Lord. But we just go and be kind. Because out the overflow of the joy of our salvation, that is pouring out to other people. There is something that says we have been in God's presence and they can see something different in us. They see that new creation, that life at work within us. And I guess one, a big, uh, um, one of those things that I am passionate about is that what the world needs to see. Listen, we have the gifts of the Spirit, tongues, miracles, uh, healing, faith, uh, uh, wisdom, knowledge. Yes, absolutely. But Paul also talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Hey, listen, for a world that is in need, we've heard some of that this morning, uh, spiritual need, material need and by the way being people of the gospel is both of those things the gospel is not just the saving of souls as in you know we go to heaven but it's everything about who we are as God's people the world doesn't just need to see the gifts of the spirit it needs to see the fruit of the spirit people who walk out here and not always in the most overt ways but people can see you've been in God's presence. They might not realize that. They might not, re you know, they might not use that, those words, but they see something different in us. It's God's people showing love to one another, 
showing love to our community, love to our neighbours, love to this town. And all of those things coming from that. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. We're in love with Jesus today. We got that hunger for God's presence. Let's just bow our heads for a moment before I hand back and team leaders in worship. Maybe let's just all stand together if you're able. I just want to pray for us one more time. Let's take a moment to respond. What do you need to do today? Where is it that there needs to be that change? Is there something where you're saying, God, I need to open up that part of my life to you. I want you to create a new, a pure heart within me. Be aware of your presence. So God, I offer it to you. Maybe joy in our salvation. Jesus, I want to have that same sense of passion, enthusiasm that I had when I first became a Christian, when I first started following you. Maybe part of our response is that we need to change our posture. Sometimes doing something physically can help us just connect with the spiritual element. Raising our hands, kneeling in worship. Whatever that might be, say, God, I'm responding to you today. So God, we offer our lives again as living sacrifices. Say, God, come and have your way amongst us. God, we make that psalm our prayer. Create a pure heart in us. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast us from your presence and restore to us the joy of our salvation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.